even a more kind of a real worry, a real kind of really kind of in-depthfulness. They're worried they'll get it wrong. They'll get the message wrong. And in some terrible way, someone will be condemned to a life without God because they've said a few things which didn't come out right. The worriers. They really worry. And often their lives are like fantastic adverts. They live these beautiful lives and people are like really drawn to them. But they never say why they live how they do. They're like a really good advert, but you're not really sure what it's selling. They're just kind of gripped with fear and they say nothing. Absolutely. Now, if we're Christians, if we're, if we're trying to follow Jesus, it'd be a good idea to follow how Jesus does it and kind of mimic that. Make him our example. And he didn't go into either of those camps because people were drawn to him. And um, this Luke 24 has got some really good stuff of how Jesus shares. How he shares stuff with people. So first of all, Jesus is travelling along. Let's put the first picture a sec. And he's travelling along, um, well two people are, and they're travelling to Jerusalem and that's the actual road. It still exists 2,000 years later. And this road is going to Jerusalem. And it's a seven mile journey. And most of it is uphill. And it takes at least half a day. Bear in mind, it's fairly uphill. It's a pretty rough road. It would have looked fairly similar to that. And um, really hot. So it's at least half a day. The first thing is that Jesus, okay, he creates time so that he can travel with them. He creates time so he can travel with them. He's not too busy with life. He's not hammering someone straight away and then, oh, I've done that, and off he goes to find someone else. He takes time to do it. And my first question is, who are you travelling with who doesn't yet know Jesus? It's a really good question to ask yourself. Who are you travelling with who doesn't yet know Jesus? And if you're sitting and thinking, do you know what? It's nobody. Then I would really encourage you. I'd really encourage you. You don't want to be in a holy huddle all the time with Christians all the time. It can be quite a lot of fun actually when you're not sometimes, believe it or not. But I would encourage you to find people to travel with who don't yet know Jesus. Okay, that's, that's my first question. Secondly, Jesus had his habit of talking often to one-to-one people or he would talk to small groups. He did that loads. If you think about Zacchaeus, kind of a look out of a tree, he has a one-to-one with him. The woman at the well, to one-to-one. Um, the woman who caught sinning. Loads of these people. And it's kind of Nicodemus being another example. People respond better without peer pressure when you actually get to know them. When you actually get to know them and have conversations with them, it will naturally get deeper for you. So my second question is this. And I've done these questions the wrong way around. This should be the opening one, but never mind. I've done the PowerPoint. But the second question is this. Is Have you asked the Holy Spirit who you should be walking with? Because it might be a complete shock. Have you done a, a risky prayer, a courageous prayer, and said, God, who should I be walking with? It might not be who you naturally think. You might think, really? That person? But you see, God knows, you know, God's doing stuff in people's lives which we often don't know about. So my second question, my first question is who you're walking with. But the second is, have you asked God a relationship in this? Who, who am I kind of, who should I be sharing this good news with? Thirdly, and this is kind of a real challenging one, Jesus asks bold questions. So in verse 17 he goes, um, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? Like Jesus didn't know. I love that question. He knows full well. 
But he's asking questions to get deeper spiritual conversations going. I've got, I've got some really good non-Christian mates, and I'm, I'm really challenged by that, because often my, our relationship is quite superficial. I feel like I've ticked off the God slot. They know that I'm a Christian. They know sometimes I do things a little bit differently. And um, that's kind of the end of it. And I do sometimes think, oh, I've, I've told them. It's fine. And I don't take it another stage. I don't sometimes ask deeper questions. I don't sometimes think, do you know, I'm not going to let that go when someone says, my gran's really ill and I'm, you know, I'm in a bad place or I'm really worried about this or, you know, my marriage is falling apart. These are little things for me to think, hang on, I could be asking bolder, big questions here. It's so easy to have friendships, non-Christians, and not take it deeper. So my third, my third question is, what deeper questions have you recently asked? Thinking about your non-Christian mates, have you taken those questions? And if not, the slightly easier one is, what questions could you take? Could you be asking? What questions could you be asking to get those really deep conversations? And I find if you've done the relationship stuff before, people are dying for those sort of questions. They're dying to hear your perspective, but they'll often think, oh, I, I don't want to talk about that. Then fourthly, in verse 27, Jesus unpacks this big God story. And we need to unpack the story. Because people out there judge Jesus on what Christians do. Or they, or they condemn God on what the church has done. Or what they've seen on a documentary. And Jesus was in the business of unravelling people's misunderstandings of God. And he said the message in a way that captivated their imagination. So my fourth question is, what, what captivates you about the Christian message? By captivate, what kind of, what kind of gets you going for it? Who here sports um, a dodgy football club? Anyone sport a really ropey football club? Oh, who is it, Paul? Oh my word, he wasn't lying. Right, Ipswich Town. Um, do you know, I reckon I could pull off a support of Ipswich Town if you gave me an hour. So I would, I would hammer home, quickly get onto Wiki, check out Ipswich Town, I'd kind of look at the best games, that'd be a short exercise. Um, I would, uh, I'd kind of um, look on YouTube, stuff like that, and then I could come up here and I could bounce around a bit like Tigger and say, I'm a massive support of Ipswich Town, and I might fool a few of you, even though I don't reckon I'd fool many, but I reckon I could do a few. But I would be exhausted. <laughs> I'd be absolutely wrecked. And I'd be really, really stressed. And I'd also feel a slight lack of integrity. If I'm honest, because I'd be, I'd be lying. I'm, I've got no interest in Ipswich Town at all. And never will. Sorry, Paul. Um, but, um, you know, some of you would just see through it. <laughs> you just see through it. That's what it's like when we share Jesus. When we're, and we're going through the motions. We're doing something, I must do this, I must talk about Jesus to this person. And we're going through emotions, and it's absolutely exhausting when you do that. I've done it before. I thought, I've got to tell them about Jesus. They might die tonight. And I kind of say something, I'm, I'm, it's just, I'm really forcing it. And um, it's exhausting, it's not natural. Just like me talking about Ipswich Town, as an example. What is it about the Christian message that gets you excited is a really good question to ask ourselves. See, there's lots of there's lots of elements of it, and it's good, and you know because we're all different, there's different parts that will really resonate with us, and it's good to ask yourself, what is it that gets me going? What is it I think? Wow, I'm glad I'm a Christian because of that. 
You know, the biggie, the Son of God died on the cross and took our junk. He took our rubbish. That's a biggie. Or what about for some people, there's a friend who will never leave us. Where we feel, sometimes feel close or not, he will never leave us. Ever. Or what about the fact that the God we worship is unchangeable, is loving and just. These are massive ones for different people. And those of you who have heard me do talks before, you'll know my one is purpose. So that's the thing that really gets me, you know, I'm like, wow, without God, where is the meaning? Is it just, you know, I have children, they grow up, I retire, I die. You know, Jesus gives me purpose. That's, that's my one. So following Jesus and having a relationship with him means I get these missions in life, which are really exciting and terrifying all at the same time. But it gets me up in the morning. And I can look at the future with optimism and go, one day I'm going to see Jesus face to face. That's my end game. And it's a great question to ask yourself, is what is it for you that you think, wow, I am so glad I follow Jesus. What captivates you? And make that your starting point. I don't know if you've met people get really enthusiastic about those daft things, you know, really lousy things. And it's all, the enthusiasm comes off and you think, oh my goodness, I want to support Ipswich Town. Or whatever. I know that's a hard one to believe. But, you know, what is it? When you're enthusiastic, genuinely enthusiastic, it just shines. It just comes out. So what is it for you that captivates? And then think through your story. Why do you follow Jesus? It's a good idea to write it down. It's not contrived and practice it. And following Jesus because your mum and dad do is not a reason. Okay, it's not a reason. Um, I debated sharing a story, but I'm glad I've started. Um, a month ago, I was at a, um, at a wine tasting evening. Oh, yes. Um, and um, it was really posh wine. And I'd had one or two. And um, this lady next to me asked me, who I've never met before, asked me what my job was. And it's really easy doing, doing witness when you got my job. You go, I'm a church youth worker, and see what they say. It's hilarious, the response. But I said that, and she literally wagged a finger at me. And she said, I've got a few questions about Jesus to ask you. Wagging a finger. And my relaxing evening kind of went, down it went. And she must have spoke about 45 minutes about stuff. I wouldn't have wanted to have that conversation if I'd not thought things through before. You know, I wouldn't go to an interview and I just rock up and then these, these questions come and you're like, uh, mm, uh, this sort of stuff. You wouldn't go for an exam and you haven't prepared. I have done that before. I wouldn't recommend it. I really wouldn't recommend it. It's good just to prepare before, not in a contrived way, not you're kind of, you're doing a fake story, a fake missioning, but you're just thinking through, why do I follow Jesus? What is it that's so special? Why do I do that? In this story, Jesus captivates them. They're enchanted. They're like, what is this about? We know that because at the end they ask him for a meal and look at the change. The change is massive. They start off by pretty much saying, Jesus is a good man. Loads of people say that. He's a good man. And they finish by saying he's Lord. He's boss. That's how they finish. It's a massive change when they do that. I sometimes think we put ourselves under real pressure that if we had a scale, I, I can zero here being militant atheists, we'll say, and ten down here being you know, devoted follower of Jesus. And we think that conversations, we're going to get someone from there to there in 20 minutes. I've, I've, I've just never done that. That's just never happened. I'm, I'm sure it does happen sometimes, but it's not the norm. 
Sometimes our little conversations will be moving someone from 0 to 0.5. And we won't know. It'll be going someone from 3 to 4. It'll be a little, little thing, a little difference. We don't have this starring role when someone becomes a Christian. We have a little cameo, along with hundreds of other people. The fact you're here tonight, on an icy winter night, on a Sunday night, is that hundreds, probably, of people have prayed for you. Hundreds, probably. Loads of people you don't know. There'll be people who've prayed for you at night, when you're asleep or something, and just crying out to God. And same for me. Hundreds of people. And when I look back at my life, I see, there was someone who moved me from two to two and a half. There was someone who moved me slightly from six to six and a half. And I am so grateful for those people. And I know there's a ton of people I don't even know anything about. I don't even know they were praying for me. Or you find out years later. You see, we're called to be faithful, not successful. It's not about, I'm going I'm to share Jesus and at the end, they're going to be there. It's we're called to share to the best of our abilities. And then the Holy Spirit will guide us and he will do a work there. So four questions, which in a minute you have a chance to have a little chat about. Who are you travelling with who doesn't yet know Jesus? Have you asked the Holy Spirit who you should be sharing with? What deeper questions have you been asking or could be asking? And perhaps the biggest one, what captivates you about the Christian message? Finally, how how can we be more confident about sharing Jesus? And it can be really scary. It can be really scary, not just in school. It can be scary when you're an adult or an older adult. Your heart, the sweaty pores, all that sort of stuff. It can be scary. It can be difficult to do. But I would argue the answer to that question is actually really easy. It's getting to know Jesus better. It's even more time I spend with Jesus, the more amazing I, we will find out he actually is. The more time we spend with Jesus. If we put Jesus in a little box... Then let's not, let's not be surprised if we're finding it, oh, it's really tricky to share Jesus because he's in my little five minute box each day. We need to spend more time in his presence. We need to kind of read this more. Yeah, and, and by that, I don't mean chunks and chunks of it. Sometimes half a verse is enough. And just think, what are you saying to me here? We need to listen to him. Sometimes I do, sometimes my prayers are like shopping lists. I think just stop, Wes, and listen. What am I being prompted to do? And you see, when we do that, when we spend more time with Jesus, we'll have something life-giving to say in our 7,000 plus words. Some of those words will be words of intent. They'll be more important. When Jesus talked about the good news, he had so many different ways of talking about it. He talked about a king who cancels the debt of his servants. Kings didn't used to do that, and we don't really now, do they? He talked like an outcast who, realising they're lost, they're welcomed back in. He talked like a woman who's searching for a lost coin and then finds it. Or like a woman at a well who's offered different water. Like a vineyard full of workers being offered the same amount of money, irrespective of how long they've been in the vineyard. One of my favourite ones, like a wedding banquet, where the guests are the local squatters who no one wants. 
like a shepherd who sees a lost sheep, moves into the, into the neighborhood, dies on a cross so they don't need to be lost anymore. Like a wedding where God and, God and his people work in partnership to restore this world. You see, this good news is revealed in Jesus' death and resurrection and the continued commitment of his spirit to rebuild this world. And it's this good news that you are called to do. You are called to unravel that to people who don't yet get it. So let me encourage you, those 7,000 words each day, use some of those so we can count for eternity. Amen. Amen.